What's up, everybody, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I got to interview and chat with one of my biggest mentors, Nick Arojo. It was awesome. Listen till the end. There's so much amazing value here. I hope you enjoy it. Please share this with your friends, and thank you guys so much for listening. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast. It's an honor today to interview one of my mentors. I've been uh, following him for many, many years, uh, for as long as I can really remember with haircutting and really looking up to him as somebody who's taken being a hairdresser to a whole nother level. He is a salon owner, a school owner, a celebrity stylist, incredible haircutter, and again, one of my mentors. So I'm just so excited to chat with him today and hear his story here on the podcast. You know, you could read about someone, you could watch someone, but this is just different and I'm really, really excited. So welcome, Nick Arojo. How Thanks are you doing so today? <laughs> I'm doing, I'm doing uh, like I do every day. I'm up, I'm ready to work. And I am uh, doing the best that I can in a very difficult, uh, you know, environment. But um, the good news is I'm optimistic and I'm, I'm empowered to uh, to push through. Totally. Um, now, for people who are under a rock and who have not heard from you, <laughs> yeah. can you introduce yourself to my audience? It's been really awesome to, um, you know, this is part of my series of just interviewing my mentors because yeah. I'm not the person I am without having incredible people to look up to and newer stylists, maybe just graduating. Tell them who you are. Let's talk about you and your story. Well, I've been doing hairdressing now for, I can't even believe 39 years. So celebrating 39 years in the industry. I'm originally from the UK. I uh, became a hairdresser at the age of 16 years and uh, fell in love with it and realized that if this was going to be what I was going to do for the rest of my life, that uh, the, the goal should be do the best you can do and uh, reach for the reach for the stars. Typical beginning, went to the nicest looking salon in town, got a job and um, realized that uh, even though the space looked really nice, the education was not what it looked like it would live up to. So I navigated my way to uh, Vidal Sassoon where I spent the next 10 years. I had a stellar career with Sassoon's in the UK, uh, artistic director, assistant art director by the age of 21, international assistant of the year. So I was a very company oriented kind of employee and loved that and uh, loved the opportunities that I could get from working within the organization. The ceiling came really quick to me and I think that that's, uh, you know, something that I share with everybody. If you focus on it, you'd be surprised how fast things, good things can happen. And then uh, after leaving Vidal Sassoon, I had a short stint working in, I moved to London. I'm originally from Manchester. So I moved to London and went to work for the Weller organization when it was privately owned. I got to work with all of the top talent in England. And uh, I was, a, uh, you know, in charge of a technical team of 50 colorists, even though I'm you know, I've known as a, 
as a, a hair cutter. That's what I specialized in. So at the time in the 90s, the, um, there was a recession too in the early 90s. And uh, well over we're at the time, we're really putting together, you know, great concept of marrying haircut with color. And that's where I came in. And um, spent a couple of years there and then moved stateside in uh, 1994, came to America to work for Bumble and Bumble in New York City, which was another dream of mine come true. Actually, the big dream. The dream was to move to America and to work in New York. And the other big dream was to work for a company that I'd followed since the 80s, which was Bumble and Bumble. And, you know, you kind of hear about these places. Of course, we didn't have the Internet then. It was all magazine. Um, but I managed to get this great job working for Bumble and, uh, and I came to live my American dream from Bumble and Bumble. I was there for three years in charge of the education. Uh, I saw what I could accomplish in this country. So I quickly moved on to ownership of my own brand, my own business. It was a partnership business called Erosio Cutler. And that was a great four years. But I realized during that time that I really needed to be commander of my own ship. So I broke free from Erosio Cutler and created Erosio in 2001. The idea was we called it the studio, Erosio Studio, the working place of an artist. That's the true definition of what a studio is. And um, started a very small salon with a team of, uh, team of four and myself. And uh, we started on September the 4th, 2001. So being downtown Manhattan, that was a very difficult and interesting time and certainly has helped to, you know, uh, I, I dig on some of the, I suppose, courage and resolve that I had then going through the time that we're going through right now. But from that time, I managed to build uh, a big salon and then I expanded into three salons. I created a cosmetology school because I really felt like if you're going to have an influence in the industry, you've got to get in it at the grassroots level, which is what I did with the Rojo Cosmetology. That has now expanded to uh, not only a cosmetology school, but a barbering uh, school and a aesthetics school. So we've expanded that piece of that business. And then I created my own launch, my own hair care brand which is called Erosio Products, sold to salons across America. And then I reinvented a, a, a service that was big in the 80s, which was called the Perm. And we reinvented that and we recreated it. And that is American Wave and that is a service. And that is also a very boutique line of hair care. So today I'm in charge of schools, products, salons, and I'm navigating through the most craziest time that anyone can navigate through. You've done it all. <laughs> I've got a lot more to do. Holy shit. <laughs> I've got a lot more to do. I got to get through this, uh, you know, because obviously the, the rug's been pulled from beneath everybody. Yeah, and totally. I'm trying to navigate how to, uh, you know, get back on top of the rug. Yeah. Well, tell us. I mean, nobody, I mean, it's horrible times for everybody. It's really tough times. Salons are closing. Yep. Um, you have so much going on. Like you've built so big. And, you know, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago about, I just wanted to like talk to you and reach out to you. And yep. we got to talk a little bit about like what's happening. And I'm blessed to be in Connecticut right now where we opened right up and we just been wearing the mask, having the cleaning um, and increased cleaning, which we've always been super particular about cleaning and yep. but 
then seeing, you know, California being shut down for so long, New York having these issues, people leaving, um, and the rents being incredible, you know, talk to us about what you're dealing with. Like, let's, let's really, t let's really go into that. So let's, the minute the, the, uh, the pandemic kind of came up out of nowhere super fast. Okay. We're in the middle of February and people are being told, don't worry about the, uh, don't worry about this virus. And when we hit March, you know, you're starting to see people in New York City uh, walking around with masks on. And you typically see that in the Asian community because that's been part of their culture. So I'm just doing work regular. 2019 was a difficult year for the business. You know, your business is, uh, it's like a ship and you sail it through the sea. And for the most time I've been sailing in really good seawater. And in 2019, it was very choppy. There were some challenges that we overcame and 2020 was looking really good. And I'd overcome by working harder and kind of using all of my experience. So come the end of February, I wasn't really thinking anything about uh, what the future was going to be with this pandemic. In fact, on March the 2nd, I was driving across the Williamsburg Bridge and I got a, a text. No, it's an Instagram direct message from someone that I didn't know. And um, I was going to do a campaign shoot for my own brand. And as I'm driving over the bridge, I looked at my uh, this message and the, this woman said, you know, help us, help us tell the world. I'm in Italy. I'm in, I'm in Italy and people are dying in the streets. And it was kind of really like, it was wild that I got that text. Anyway, we did the photo shoot. That's wild. It was wild. Yeah, she was a hairdresser that obviously knew who I was and wanted to share what was going on on the grassroots level. And then uh, literally at that point, then the news started to turn into, uh, uh, you know, this virus, it's contagious. And then on March the 16th, I believe there or thereabouts, the mayor came on and because I have schools and when the mayor was talking about the virus and closing the schools and there's a difference between a private school and a public school and there's a difference between you know going to school and going to a trade school so all of my students which are predominantly 30 or under were starting to feel very nervous and they were kind of forcing the issue then on the 16th the mayor said we're closing down the public schools which was like the knee-jerk reaction that I had to close everything down because all of my team were now, you know, in fear of what was happening. And then what we said was, we said, we're going to close on the 16th, or we'll be closed around the 15th, 16th, and we're going to open back up on April the 1st. And that was the message. And that was the message that we sent out to all of our clients. And then we sent everybody home for two weeks. Then what happened was the president came on the television around March the 27th, 28th, 29th, somewhere towards the end of that time, because we still had this, we'll be open April 1st. So when the, when the president came on and said, we're going to close down the country for 30 days, at that point was when I knew that my life just changed massively. And the reason why it changed massively is when you have a big business, you have big expenditure and the minute that you cut off the revenue stream is the minute that you start to bleed 
because you're using up all the revenue that you already have. It's, I, I always say that the money that comes into my business is liquid. It's fuel that keeps the brand moving forward. The minute you cut off that stream of revenue, then we're starting to go into reserve. And ultimately, we never got open until the end of June. And that is such a long time to, uh, to, to, um, to go without having liquid coming through. Because the, the three businesses that I have, the product business is sold to salons. So salons across America are all shut down. So that piece of the business now pauses. The education business, that's fixed revenue. What that means is, is that the students that we have can take a leave of absence. So that means we cannot draw any more money because the way students pay is typically, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible. Typically they pay as they go. They join up and they pay as they go. But if they're not going, they're not paying. And then obviously the salon business, which is a cash business, if there's nobody coming through the door, there's no cash coming in. So with the revenue, you know, stopped, I just realized at that point uh, we were going to be in a, in a major problem because, and I think I mentioned it to you the other day, my rent exposure was $7,000 a day. So you go, you put a week, seven times seven is $49,000. You do a month, four weeks, there's $200,000. That's my rent exposure. And I Can we just take a that. minute and let people take that in? Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, you know, managing to build a business and when I built my business and when you take on these exorbitant rents, they're based off revenue that you've built. And you do have to take calculated risks. And I could explain to you from starting it, my, my rent initially when I began Erosia was $8,000. It went from $8,000 to $14,000. It went from $14,000 to $46,000. From $46,000 to uh, over $100,000. And then what happens is as the lease runs out and you renegotiate, the rent pretty much doubles. So oh, I'd managed to get into this scary zone, but the business had grown to support all of that. So that was where we were at. And I knew that the bigger you are, the faster you fall. But I also felt that um, the decisions that I was making as I was building my brand were the right decisions to support the business and the dream that I was building for myself and for my team. I can totally not at the same level. Um, I had fallen also mm -hmm. during all of this and I had used up all of my cash reserves very, very, very quickly. And talking to you and hearing your story, like, I'm obviously nowhere near the level that you're at, but that feeling of like, I made the decisions, like nobody, nobody saw this coming. Yeah. I think that to be honest with you, it doesn't matter your size because it's all relative. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The problems are the problems that you encompass. In today's totally. life, if you want to, it's like, I meant my, the boxing ring that I go into every day is much harder today. But I've been in the fight for a long time, so it's relative. I had the same kind of pain. I used to I used to think about when I when I first took my first salon, 
and uh, the rent was $8,000 a month. And I went with my deposit and my first month's rent, which was $32,000. It was the most money I'd ever had. Now that was about 17 years ago. And I was like, this is the most money I've ever had. And I'm gonna give it all to a landlord and I'm never gonna see it again. How do you feel about that, Nick? And I used to feel terrified about that. And I said, how the hell can you afford to pay $8,000 a month in rent? But to be honest with you, it's like once you put the shoes on and once it starts to work, then you keep moving. And you know, the challenges that have been in, in business, I think when you're trying to push, you're trying to build, and as you grow in business, all the unknowns slowly come out of the doors as you navigate through. And because I'm completely independent, which means I've never taken an investment on this business, I've used my success and I've invested in myself. So as I've navigated through this, I've learned so many lessons from a legal standpoint, from an employer standpoint, from a community standpoint, from an industry standpoint. The industry's changed. You know, you don't think that the industry's going to change, but guess what? Life is long if you look at it and trends change and lifestyles change you know the most one of the best things you could invest in in the in the 90s was a taxi medallion well uber took care of that a medallion to drive a yellow cab was over a million dollars to purchase uber took that business away polaroid film gone because polaroid was the hot ticket but at a certain point disappeared so what's pop what works today there's a real strong chance it's not going to work tomorrow. And tomorrow might be five years from now. So, you know, and the bigger you grow, the harder it is to, to re-pivot. Hearing you talk about this, like, I have to, I'm just going to be so honest. Good. Like, sometimes I feel like I do so much. Like, I take such incredible risks to like be a visionary, to, to elevate the beauty industry, to put on events, to like, I've put on Nick, I've done, and you know, like, I feel like you would understand more than anybody, but it's so lonely. Like when you take these risks, like nobody understands. And it's like that fearless entrepreneur of like, I don't know how it's going to work, but it's going to work. And it's like, you believe in yourself, you take a bet on yourself and it's so fucking scary. And when you talk about it, like you're being so honest right now, like it and for me sometimes i'm just like does anybody understand how scary this is i do <laughs> i know you do and, and it's like talking to you and hearing you talk about this i'm like holy crap i feel like somebody find like somebody understands because i've been putting everything on the line year over year for the past six years and i swear has like, it been working it's has it been working I'm happy with where I am, but cool. I have to be honest, like the stress and fear and like expectations I have, it's like, don't people realize like I have everything on the line right now and like it's, it's lonely and it's hard and it's being the fearless entrepreneur and believing in yourself, even when it's scary as hell. Like, I just feel like you can relate to that. I can definitely relate to it. And you know what? I mean, listen. 
It's a dream. My my the reality is bigger than what I'd hoped to accomplish. I never thought that I would ever own my own salon. I never thought I would ever own my own school. I never thought I would ever have advertisements on the television. I never thought I'd ever own my own products. Or if I did with any of those things, I would have a piece of of the of the business, not the whole of the business. So, uh, you know. The journey of going from earning less than six figures, which is very achievable for most hairdressers, and to totally. get up to the six figure is in any part of the country is very, I think, I wouldn't say simple. You have to be focused, but it's easily achievable. Totally, you've got drive. Yeah, totally. But to take it from that point to get into a whole nother level, where maybe the number goes from one to two. At the front, and from two to four, and from four to six, and from eight to over the seven figure, you know,、uh, you have to take risk, and you have to have big cojones to take a shot at it, and you have to like dream big, and you have to work hard, and you know. And I think that money's not my motivator, and it never has been, and it never will be, because I never had any. So I don't worry about money as my motivation. My motivation is what's my purpose. And you have to get really clear on this, and that's what I've, you know. And I continue to have to remind myself every day, because I can tell you, every hour, I'm a victim. But that victim second only lasts now for maybe a thought, and that victim is I can't cope. Then I go, now you got to cope. So it's that simple. But it happens every hour. Do you know why? I'm in the boxing ring trying to build a business, trying to navigate a business in New York, and I'm getting punched left, right, and center. Is it a student? Is it the city? Is it、uh, is it an employee? Is it a bill? I mean, I'm getting bills right now from Con Edison based off of last year's、uh, because they don't even bought because of COVID. Everything kind of changed, and no people people don't understand the detail. The detail's massive. So the detail is like Con Edison. My electric bill for Brooklyn, which is doing seventy percent less, is now more than it was last year. So my rent, my my electric bill in Brooklyn is four and a half thousand dollars a month, and I'm like, how the hell is it four and a half thousand dollars a month? And they give in estimated readings, and then you've got to pay for them, and you're like, nobody gets how difficult it is. And you're、manage. at like fifty percent capacity or twenty five percent capacity, and people aren't even coming in. And no one's coming in, so and the business is closed now. We're down to a four day week as opposed to a six day week. So these are the details. That bog you down. Talking to your accountant, talking to your finance team, talking to how to. I mean, I still sign every check. I can sit in this office. I don't do it now, but I used to. Yeah, I would sit in this office and I could easily sign、uh, a half million dollars in one swipe. And I was like, "Holy fuck!" I'm signing a five hundred thousand dollars. You've got your payroll, which is payroll for two weeks with over a hundred employees. And then you're buying products, and then you're investing and paying for trade show floors and booths, and you've got your running costs. I'd sit here sometimes. Go, I just signed checks this week for four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Sometimes it was over that, and、uh, you know. But then you get used to doing it because you don't just get to that. You get to a hundred, and then it's two hundred, and then it's three hundred. So as you build, that's why I always tell everybody. You don't focus on your numbers. Your、um, 
you're going to be in, you could end up being in a lot of trouble. And one of the things that kept me, allows me to sleep at night, and I'll be honest with you, Gina, I was like, I'm going to build this business, but I'm going to make sure I take money out for me so that I have equity, so that that helps me sleep at night. Because God forbid I can't afford to meet payroll, or God forbid I can't afford to pay the rent, or God forbid I can't afford to do X, Y, and Z. And I got to get to sleep at night too, you know, and there's not enough drink in the world that will knock me out. So, you know, I used to always have keep a million dollars in the bank. I had to have a million dollars in the bank for any, all for cash flow. And, you know, then I invested in property. And I, instead of putting money in the stock market, which was risky because I don't understand it, and I try not to do anything that I don't understand. So I put money into property. And uh, luckily, you know, over the last 15 years, I've been able to, uh, you know, invest in property. And now I've liquidated those assets so that I still have enough revenue to, to I need to be able to look, I need to have enough cash to navigate three years out comfortably. Otherwise, I'm in trouble. So the blessing is, not that I've ever had money before, but the blessing is, is when this started to grow, I always said, uh, okay, that's all good for the business. Now let's take a little bit out for Nick, which will be for the, the security. As you so, should, like think of all the pressure. And well, I could, I could have done it two ways. I could have, I could have, I could have kept all the cash when I was making a lot of money. I could have just invested it into me, and I wouldn't have followed my purpose now. But I decided. I mean, I just finished paying. I did an investment in Tribeca, which was uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I just invested in twenty nineteen, and now I left that space. So because I can't afford it with um, with uh, the pandemic. And leaving that space keeps me on the hook because guess what? I now have a, yeah, I now have, um, <clears throat> I have a massive debt that's shown on my books because I've not closed off on the lease. It's not a negotiated settlement. I just left. So there are things out there that now I have to navigate through. Mm -hmm. But this is where, you know, I suppose I've got my big boy pants on. I'm trying to navigate and I'm learning that nothing's final, nothing's fatal. The worst can happen to you. I used to say, if this, if the shit hits the fan, then uh, I don't know whether I can go on. Well, guess what? The shit hit the fan. It's still hitting the fan. And I realized I got to get on with it and I got to keep moving forward. So this is a major life lesson for me. And, uh, you know, and I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how I navigate through it and what happens on the other side. But I, it, again, it's not like there's going to be a point because I look at this and obviously you have to contemplate and you've got your own brain and I'm the one that's seen the journey. You're the one that's seen your journey. No one knows your journey like you. No one knows my journey like me. So when I look intern internally, I say, there's not going to be an end point here. But I think if I just keep pushing through and, and navigating to the best of my ability, uh, my, my intention and my purpose will serve me well and I will survive and I will succeed. Will it be what I thought the dream was going? I, do I have to pivot and change direction? Do I have to look at all of those options? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I'll tell everybody. I got three or four different paths on the go right now. If I, it's like a game of chess navigating this business. If the pawn moves or if the queen moves or if the knight moves, I might make a different decision based on 
the, 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 the conditions on the ground. So, I mean, I'm, I'm deep in um, the toughest time of my entire life, but that's the way it goes. You keep talking about your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what is that? I think the purpose is, is to, uh, to do something that you love and to make a difference in what you're doing. Yeah, make a difference in the world. What's going to be, well, there's billions of people on this planet. So what's going to be your gift to yourself that you can, um, that you can give to the world? And for me, obviously, I'm so indoctrinated into this world of beauty. And my purpose has always been education has been at the back. I, I learned that education has been at the backbone of my uh, existence. It's like the, 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 cent the center core is education. If I go back to 1983, working at Vidal Sassoon and always turning up for class and always having my model and always learning. And then I used to think the minute that I become a stylist, I can't wait to become a teacher. So I was the teacher and we never got paid for it. We used to do everything for honor. Yeah, it was a privilege to have the chance to give the gift of what you'd learn. And uh, I was a teenager then. And I'm teaching teenagers and I'm sharing with them how to cut a barb or how to cut a line. And, you know, that core has always been a very strong pillar within my, uh, within me. And that is, I suppose, my purpose is to try to, uh, you know, influence, elevate the, the hair community. And uh, that's my purpose to get out to bed, to go to work. And hopefully you can turn that into some money so you can have a, a great lifestyle and you can live the life that you that you dreamed of and thankfully i would say that like i said earlier i've uh, i already did that and surpassed that which is a thing and i always am very thankful of the opportunities and the moments that i have in life so you know in my own brain you'll say what a great day enjoy the moment nick what a great time enjoy the moment nick what a, you, you, you give thanks to the universe for the chances that you have and uh, I'm pretty tough guy. I'm like, you know, maybe people don't realize that, you know, I kind of have that thankfulness in, within, but, uh, and I'm a real straight shooter. I, I'm like a realist, you know, I'm like just completely real. Some people don't necessarily dig that, but I'm a realist and, um, and I'm a survivor, you know, and I'm a survivor. And you look at, you like, you, you look at the, I look at the future and I say, okay, what can I do in the next, what can I do in 2021? I mean, I'm looking right now and saying to myself, look, Nick, it's 2021, pandemic's still here. Your business is bashed. The industry's changed. Uh, what are you gonna do? And I go to bed every night and I wake up every day and I, and I, and I make action happen. I make action happen. So next week I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Miami. I'm going to look at spaces. I'm looking at new opportunities. I've already, even in the last six months, looked at new facilities for a, for a, for a potential school here. I'm looking at what is my future going to be, and I'm not going to let anyone uh, diminish what, what I can accomplish, and I'm not going to let anyone diminish my dream. And I can tell you, we built this studio in Brooklyn. We invested all this money in this studio in Brooklyn now. We've got six cameras, and it's high def, and, it's, and I've got a great guy that can produce videos on the fly. I need one person to do a complete show. And um, I'm in front of an audience every day. 
like twice a week or maybe three times a week and I'm cutting hair and I'm like, this is magic. So I get my happy moments as much as I get my somebody shoot me in the head right now. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> yeah, no. So I get those happy moments and they could happen in the same hour. Okay. In the same hour. In the same hour. Yeah. I like that you talk about that because emotions are so hard and those feelings are so hard to cope with sometimes. And I like that you say that it happens within the same hour. And that's helpful even for me because it's like, I want to be positive all the time. I want to be grateful all the fucking time. And there's just these moments where it's just like fear. It's questioning everything. It's anger. It's like all of these emotions. And it's just like we all want to get to that point where it just comes like a passing storm, tropical storm just passes over. And then you have the same in the same moment. And I like how you said, you know, those feelings are short now, like it'll happen for a short or a thought. And like, that is such training and such, uh, yeah, it's it's conditioning. I mean, listen, nobody asked me to do all of this stuff. I made my own bed. And I got to make sure that I yeah, deal with it. Yeah. It's not like, woe is me. You know, like I say, victim survivor. Yeah, simple things. I can go back to like being a, being a kid at the, the Sassoon's. Yeah. I was like, why are people being mean to me? Well, because they were insecure. Yeah. They were like, they, 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 you know, you learn, you know, again, during this journey of being, that's what I love about being a hairdresser uh, so much is the intercommunication and the blessing that you can learn how to communicate and you learn so much about life. Why? Number one, you're talking to people from different traits, so different industries, different lifestyles, different wealth. You're communicating all day, so you're learning about the world. I mean, how many questions have I had answered in my chair that other people would never get the chance unless they paid to get the answer? I don't need a therapist. I've got my clients. They can do therapy for me. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, pushing through, it's, uh, it's really just a question of I made this. I've got to navigate through it. And I have this optimistic streak, which I encourage everybody to have. And that is uh, you can do it. You know, if, you can, if, you're, if you're prepared to fight, you can do it. And I go back, do you know what, what happened was I've had good luck and I've had bad luck. Yeah. I've had good luck, bad, bad. I think we all get good luck, we get bad luck. Good luck mm-hmm. when something great happens, something when something amazing happens, and something when just something goes your way, but then you get bad luck too. And a lot of bad luck. When I left, uh, I started a partnership business and I was super excited. It was me, I was another hairdresser, and, um, and there was a financial investor, you know? And I never married, I never felt... Uh, I never felt like the financial investor had my back. Now, when I feel like someone's not got my, got my back and is not invested in me, because I'm a giver, I'm not a taker, because I think that when you give, you receive. But this person in particular never understood me, which is one of the reasons why I had to go out on my own. That was a very tough journey. I had to leave my business. I remember, and you have so many stories too, I just probably have more because I'm older. Yeah. I want to hear them all. That's it. Well, (laughs) we'll try. (laughs) And I remember going to the pub after work with uh, my entire team because it all kind of said, you come to the pub. And I said to my entire team, I said, listen, guys, uh, I'm leaving. 
I'd been in a very difficult and bitter breakup with my partner and the financial part. And I sat in the pub and I said to everyone, and nobody could come with me. So I was saying goodbye to my team. And a lot of them had come to work with me because we had a very special relationship. And because my history was very well respected, even way back then, you know, because I was a soon, so soon art director and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sat in the pub and I said, with tears in my eyes, I said, guys, and we all sat there, we all had beer. And I said, uh, I, I'm leaving Erosia. I can't stay there anymore. And everyone was crying. I was crying. It was like painful. And then the following day, you know, I left. I said, somebody said to me at the table, they said, well, how are you going to be about your baby? I said, how are you going to feel about your baby, Nick? I said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to have another baby. That's what I'm going to have. This baby's now somebody else's and I'm going to go and have another baby. And I created a Rojo studio. And, uh, and a Rojo studio has delivered so much to me. My baby's grown to be massive, like a big fat baby now, yeah? But obviously I'm in a, not the same place. I'm in a similar place. And if I go back then, as I said, I'm gonna create my baby. I was in business for a week and when September the 11th happened, I was like, now what are we gonna do? What am I gonna do now? You know, so there's hardships. I think people have had way more hardships than I've had. I would say I've been super lucky. I would say that, you know, I, you know, I look at the joy in my children. I'm a family man. I've got my kids. I've got, you know, like, you know, what's the most important thing is you're only as happy as your least unhappy child. So to see my kids with a smile on their face with, you know, a plate full of food and so much that, that I never had growing up. And, just I had the same things, but I didn't have some of the material comforts that they've had. Yeah. But I'm proud of being able to give that to them and always make sure that they better not end up getting to, um, I mean, because that's really my prize, isn't it? Making sure that your children do great. That's for me, my prize. So I, I just keep, I'll just keep navigating through. And I think that ultimately, and in a weird way, I think that you all have, everybody has an inner voice and an inner vision and an inner spirit. And I can tell you when things were going so well for me, and it wasn't that I'm a doomsdayer because I'm not that. I'm not going, oh, what if it all fails tomorrow? But it's always in the back of your mind when you have something that you've never had. So all of a sudden you've like got all this that you never had. And then you're like, okay, Maybe something, there's going to be something to change this journey. And this is one of those things. This pandemic is changing the journey. But I look at it and I've managed to get to a place where I'm optimistic, where I'm positive. Can I get depressed? I sure can. How long does the depression last? All depends how fast I can have that glass of wine and I'll get better. <laughs> I'll get my head in a good space. So, you know, listen, at present, um, I'm driving in one of the greatest cities in the world. I've got a great reputation that I've built a lot of good things. And I'm, uh, I'm up for the fight to see where it's going to, where it's going to land, you know. And, and I'm looking at the, uh, like I say, I'm looking at the, the landscape because the landscape's changing, Gina. Let's you talk know? about it. Yeah, I mean, the landscape's changing, you know. I, 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 it's going to be interesting. You have have a new administration and what happens is, and I'm not going to go down the political path, but I think it's important that people understand what happens in the world. Yeah. So 
You know, when I was 16 going to my interview at the Gelsa Sioux, I sat there, this is how they used to interview. They used to interview and they'd put you all in the room, there was like 30 kids and they'd say, okay, you're all looking to become an apprentice at the Gelsa Sioux. First question was, tell us something that's going on in the news. And we're like, the news? You want to be hairdressers at this cool company? But they were educating us way back then to be aware of what was going on in the world. Because it's important when you're working with the general public to know exactly what's going on with the world. That was part of their education. I thought it was brilliant. So I do think it's important to <clears throat> recognize that the, the infrastructure that the government has will change certain things. Look at California. Since I came to America, California was always booth rental. It was actually not booth rental at all, sorry, forgive me. It was chair rental. And the chair rental rules changed in California a number of years ago. And they started to say that you can't rent chairs anymore and that everyone has to be a true 1099, means they have to have their own business. The states change the laws and you have to obey by them or you have to navigate your way through them. And nothing's black and white. Everybody might think it's black and white. Well, I have a school, so I can tell you how it's not black and white. There are two governing bodies that I have to answer to. I have to answer to the New York Education State Department for my school. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of detail to that. Massive amounts of- uh, I can't even imagine the amount of different people you have to list, like just, Sorry, I, I, like they, uh, like I think I'm I think I'm busy over here. Like I just need to chill. chill. <laughs> Sorry, so I just okay. oh my god, just thinking about the school and all the stress of that on top of the salon. Well, then just let me explain this piece. Sorry, it's, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, that's okay. And then there's NACUS, which is the accreditation for federal funded schools. Now, if you put those two documents down on a table side by side, Gina, they don't match. So what NACUS says does not comply with what the state says and what the state says does not comply with what NACUS says. So you have to comply with one, modify to comply with another. And that is when I talk about understanding and new things and new administrations. And I look at that, I say, is the country and, and are the states, because the states are very different. One of the eye-openers that I got when this thing happened was I never knew that the country had kings and queens, okay? So each state has its own king, it has its own queen. Yeah, depending on whether it's male, female. <clears throat> and then they have their own, you know, state attorney general and so on and so forth. And it's interesting that you can open and I can't. So the minute I'm like, hang on a minute, why can she open or he open and I can't is, why is that? Because I always felt like the federal government, and obviously I'm not from America, but I'm learning. I always felt like the federal government had uh, an overarching band, but it's become clear that the states have their own uh, rules and regulations and they comply within a framework. So why is this important? Well. What if, when all this money's been pumped into the country, <clears throat> you know, I got PPP money. Yeah, I'm waiting for my second tranche of PPP money. I hope I get, I yeah. hope I get it. Well, if you're entitled to it, you should get it. And yeah. that's what you, you know, I don't think hope is an option. I think it's one of those things that you have to fight. 
And yeah. trust me, people make decisions based off your fight. If you get pushed off, that means you didn't fight enough. It means that's that good you didn't advice. fight with the right person. I'm just yeah. like exhausted with it and I don't understand it. And my accountant, he's working on it for me. I got PPP, small amount of it. And it was, a, I, I went away for a little bit. I had to go to treatment. Yeah. I was like not having a good, I was not okay with a lot of the stuff that happened in 2020. Right. And I would have never been able, <laughs> uh, listen, I highly recommend it. <laughs> I needed it though. I needed it. I've been all gas pedal, no brake my entire life. And yeah, you needed to recharge those batteries. Yeah, I would have never been able to go. So I'm so grateful for that. But you ju- you're getting your second round of PPP. So the thing is, is once they start flushing the, the government, the once the government starts flushing the system with money, they may, may, then they may start to look and say, how are we going to get that money back? And do we want to have 1099? Or do we want to have W-2? And you know, as I know, you've changed your business model to a much more successful business model than the traditional business model. But states can change that the same way that they've done in California. It's going to be interesting to see. Now, I think that when you're looking at where we are, the labor laws in New York City are obtruse. They're like so intense. The um, your, 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 your feet are held to the fire. Obviously, you want to look after all of your team. You know, you start off with this with love and pride. And it used to be like, for me, it used to be like, and and some degree still to this day, but it's been diminished. It used to feel like noble to be able to give somebody and pay somebody. It was a noble thing to be able to, to do that. And even if I didn't get paid for the first couple of years, which is typical, everybody else was getting paid. But I knew that I was doing something that I felt great about and it was for the greater glory of, of me and the whole thing. Yeah. It's like, I understand because my first salon, like I told you, we were employee based and the gratification of being able to provide a job. Yep. Like, oh my God. Like when I first started hiring people, like I, I was just like, I can't believe I have the honor of giving somebody a job. And yep. like now especially with the wage changes and stuff like that, I have very little opportunity I can give. Like I would love to hire two assistants right now. I desperately need them. But with the payroll taxes in Connecticut and with like, obviously the way business is, it's absolutely like impossible to do it. And I, I miss having rising stars, um, you know, people coming up through the industry with me and to mentor them, but I can't pay them. Well, you know, I'll be honest with you. Here's the other bad thing: is people are not as as uh, they're not as um, appreciative of the mentorship anymore. Yeah, I can understand. That's gone that away. Too. Yeah. yeah, that I, kind of. I can relate. Know, I used to say you're a, you you know your parents and your boss were the two people that had a bit of authority in your life, and you know if you had religion, that was the third. You know, uh, by the time you hit the 25 mark, you're kind of pretty much making up your own decisions, whether you like religion or whether you like your parents or whether you like your boss. But in today's world, you know, people become so independent and autonomous and they don't have necessarily the, um, um, I don't know whether respect is the right word, but maybe they don't quite get it that when someone's given uh, advice, they just take it as criticism, which then, you know, they turn on you. It's very hard to yes. listen to people. Very and like hard. my... I am the way that I am because of the tough critique that I got. Uh My mentor, number one, I stood behind her out of the mirror's sight. 
the client was never looking at me. I was out of the mirror sight. I had my hands a certain way. Mm-hmm. Like I held, um, like I could never cross my arms. She would right. be like, she, it, like, absolutely not. Like, and I, not when I was at me too. And when I was training at GBH, I would, I would grab their arms and put them down and say, you're making me nervous. And then they would yeah. never do it again. And some people like my, my artists at GBH, I, I feel really proud of, of how I train them. And I trained dozens of people and I feel really proud to, to do that for them. And they're all doing great. But like my mentor, uh, Tiffany Lassard, I worked with her and I stood out of the line of sight. I did not speak unless spoken to. Yep. And I'll never forget. I showed up to work, Nick. Holy shit. Okay. This is like therapy. I showed up to work in my Halloween costume from the night before. <laughs> 30 minutes late, chain smoking cigarettes, 45 minute drive. And I had, it was Halloween that day. So I was uh-huh. like, I could totally get away with this. I was the only one dressed up in the salon. I had a wig on, like not like it wasn't good. Literally same clothes as last night. Yeah. Freaking of cigarettes, hungover, disgusting. Oh my God. And you know what she said to me? She she pulled me, she pulled me into the back room and she says, you will not go anywhere near my clients like this. Go home now. And I went home and I cried the whole way home and Uh I showed up the next day. If you did that to somebody now, they would block you or ghost you. And like, people don't have like the tough skin. And I think that the cream rises to the top. And I think that the tough critique, and I I do it during my coaching. I say it on my podcast. I talk about it. Like when I'm responding to comments and some people could be like, wow, that's harsh. And I'm just like, but do you want to just keep fucking up? Don't you want someone to tell you why you're not successful in the areas you're successful? Like don't ask for feedback and then cry about it. I am the way that I am because of the tough critique and DJ Muldoon, um, I know you know DJ. Sure. Um, he teach he teaches at the network and um, he's taught there before and he had shared that and so did Jacob. I, I believe actually it might have been Jacob, but I've heard it from DJ too. It's the tough critique, the yep. straightforward critique, which is the most incredible thing. But you're right that it's hard to it's you know it's I still do it and if people don't want it, they cannot be a part of it. But I totally understand what you mean. Well, they don't, you know, it's very hard. You couldn't even touch somebody today. You couldn't tell someone to unfold your arms. If you touch them, you could be in trouble. Yeah, you I know, mean. That's the reality of life. I mean, and, and when I was growing up at Sassoon's, I'd get whacked with a comb. No problem. If I dropped a section or missed a section, you know, the level. But I, I'm not that guy either to go, oh, back in the day. I can't stand back in the day, to be honest with you. Because guess what? That was my journey. I'm in this day. Yeah. And the day's tomorrow. So, you know, we've got to kind of navigate that. I mean, I, I meet these, I meet people and they always talk about, oh, it's not as good as it was in the old days. I'm like, no, it's, it's. But you're super modern though. Like, I don't think of you as like an old timer person. Like you're super modern. You've been evolving (laughs) for many, many, many years. Like that you're not even in that category, but it is interesting that mentorship and training and that true mentor relationship is so hard to come by. And the business is changing. It's hard to even support people. And one of my questions I have for you on here is, and you know, I was talking to Robert Cromines yesterday on an interview, which like I was telling you, I was like, I just can't even believe that. Uh Um, it was like a moment for me, but he was even saying he doesn't do an assistant program anymore. He doesn't want people touching as many guests. The guests don't want people touching them as much. And, you know, to the new stylist, who doesn't have these opportunities. Like, what do you say to them to be successful? Like th- these opportunities aren't available as much as they are. Like I can't hire people right now. Uh, you know what? I mean, look, I can tell you exactly where I was at, uh, in 2019. 
2019, because I'm always looking to innovate, what works, what doesn't work. Assistants don't work. They've never worked, yeah? There's no money in this business for an assistant. Just can't afford it. So, but I built my business on assistance. In 2019, with the rise of social media, you know, talent counts for 30, 40% of the service. That's all totally, totally you know? agree. So the idea was, is I was taking people out of my school and uh, they're all new talent. And I'd say, you know what, new talent, here you go. New talent, you're going to get one day on the floor, you book yourself. There'll be a reduced price, it won't be the full price, but straight away out of school, you're taking clients in my salon, straight away out of my school, or if you walk, come in from another place, you're on my books as a stylist, you're on my roster. I'm not going to give you clients, I'm going to see whether you can get clients. And if you can get clients, then you're going to win. If you can't get clients, there's no point having you, because I can't afford to pay you. you got to learn to pay for yourself. And my objective was always to get people to pay for themselves sooner rather than later. It continued on that path. Uh, obviously, before I used to have a no-compete and a training program and all of that great stuff, but I trained, I trained so many people that went off to compete with me, you know? Totally. And some of them, and some of them don't even give me respect. They don't even mention it. It's like, I'm like, what the totally. hell, guys? You're such like <laughs> losers, fellas, like not even having the, uh, you're just not giving the respect. You don't give the, you know, the history. It's such a shame. I see it, I see it daily because, Social media is such a uh, visible tool and I can just come across it. We're, we're all crossing the same paths, let's be honest. We're all going through the same doors or crossing a certain place, certain people. It's not like we don't you know, know so much. But I think that today we have no training program. Uh, we do teach, we teach. Uh, we don't have the same training program that we had. It's not structured as much as it was. Today, the objective for today, and when I talk about today, I'm talking about 2021. I'm not talking about 2022. It's all hands on deck. I lost 80% of the staff. They all went off to do, the, to do their own thing. They went off in pockets. I can go to salons now in this city, people that, I, that I've spent time with in helping, and I look at their staff, and their staff's my staff, but it's got a different name over the door. You know that. And that's how it's been for years and years and years. So I've it had hurts. to trade my company. You know, it does hurt, but at the end of the day, it's like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Are you going to focus on the pain? Or are you going to focus on the process and the process of getting new superstars? I had a hairdresser leave yesterday. I had, had two hairdressers leave yesterday. You know, one hairdresser left because, um, you know, they couldn't take the critique. Another hairdresser left because... Uh, they're scared of COVID, but I think that there's, again, the society is such that, I don't know that people tell us the truth and young people are very, very, um, they're hard to understand. And it's also, I think, part and parcel during this pandemic where hairdressers were getting paid more money to be at home. It's like the socialization of, you know, the, 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 the nation. We're going to tell you to stay home. We're going to give you more money. We're going to extend your unemployment. You can stay home. And with what we do, we do a couple of hair, a couple of haircuts on the side. You're making so much more money and not even working. And that's when I talk about politics playing a certain part. I mean, I know for a fact, how many salon owners, I've got a network of salon owners in the hundreds. They got PPP money. Hairdressers were getting paid more money at home. They didn't want to come to work. How many conversations have I had over the last 12 months about the chaos 
that has uh, ensued in the handling of the pandemic. Not the pandemic, but the handling. You have an employee, I don't want to come back to work, Nick. Why don't you want to come back? I don't feel safe. Well, really, the answer to that is, uh, I would say more times than not, I would say, oh, you're getting more money by not coming to work than you are by coming to work. So I get it. You don't want to come to work, but you'll say I'm not safe because that's the perfect get out of jail card to just like not get any. Because you can't argue with that. You know what I mean? And I always say, like, no matter how you feel about this, you're right. Because if you're afraid and you want to, you're you maybe you have mom and dad who have pre-existing health conditions, or you have a small child, you're right. But if you're a small business owner and you have everything on the line, like you're right. It, it, it just it's such an interesting and never before seen type of challenge that we're all going through. And seeing as you know, certainly look look at it this way: prevented from working because we're too close to one another, we can't socially distance, and yet. Where are we on the list for vaccines? Nowhere. It's a disaster. So that's why I do talk about a little bit about looking at what the the laws of the land and how that's being managed and worked out. And we have to look at that framework. Well, I have to be, I have to be real. Sorry, go ahead. Ultimately, I think at the end of the day, what's going to prevail is quality because pricing's got to go up. We got to double the prices of all of our services. We got to really start to think about a, a hair appointment. No one should be leaving the salon with spending less than, you know, $350 and that's just for the basics. Nobody because guess what the, we've allowed our economy and in, in the professional hair business to be disintegrated. And I go across the country and see uh, people that haven't had the same level of education and they're charging the same price. And I'm like I got my rents four times as much as what that person's rent is. My education costs four times as much as what that education was. And our prices have got to, we've got to change it. Our value's got to go up. I mean, I was lucky. I was charging $500 for a haircut, you know? And during the, what I'd call the what not to wear days, you know, when you can open up your book and you get 12 new clients in, in an hour, you're like, yeah, this is the magic. Yeah. That magic doesn't last forever. You can only be hot for so long. If you're really lucky, you can be like a rolling stone where you'll always have good equity, but you might not be able to always fill up every space, you know? So you've got to navigate and change. Yeah, absolutely. You was going to say something. Can you remember what it was? Did I distract you? Oh, I have to be honest. Um, I've, I've made some mistakes through COVID. We all have. We all have. We all um, have. And I'm not one to watch the news. And when yeah. I was watching it, I was just like, uh-uh, this is super one-sided on both yeah. sides. Like there's no yeah. middle ground. No and middle ground. I'm like, oh. it's so hard because you can't say anything without upsetting somebody. And that's never my motive ever. Like I, if anything, I would want to unite the world. Like at a job interview, if they say, what kind of tree are you? I'm like, I'm a Christmas tree. I like to bring people together. (laughs) Literally. Like I would never want to be divisive. And I've learned to just shut up and it's not my lane. I'm a hairdresser. I talk about business mostly though. You know what I mean? And when you said at your job interview for Sassoon and they say like, tell us something that's going on in the news and you know, people would never ask that now because you're afraid to hurt feelings. But I really think, and over the past few weeks, I have to be honest, I've changed my mind on some things and I think it's okay to change your mind. I don't think you have to be one-sided or you have to be like super like egotistical and like, um, all that stuff about it. And I made some mistakes, you know, 
I've said multiple times, like, let's get back to normal. Let's get back to normal. This is bullshit. Like what's going on? Like small businesses are dying, which they are. Um, but really like not adapting to like, this is the new normal. Like it took me a while, but over the past few weeks, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. This is the new normal. The way we advertise has to be different. The way we treat our teams has to be different. The way, like I'm putting, I have in-person classes on my schedule and like uh-huh. how I'm going to market these classes is showing how safe we are, not showing yeah. what we're fucking teaching. It's literally yeah. how safe we are because the biggest, and I know that marketing, you go to the bi- biggest objections first and you solve those. Like I get it, but like if you are over here, like there's like the anti-maskers, there's the people who are just like, this isn't real. And if you own a business and you're doing this, like you have, you have to adapt. And like, I think that you as a fearless entrepreneur, like me, like an honor to be in a category with you, but I believe I'm a fearless entrepreneur too. Like sometimes you have to get out of your own way. I feel Mm -hmm. like I was kind of in my own way and almost like not looking for the gift in it. Like it's happening to me. It's happening to me. It's happening to me. All my money's gone and nobody understands. And I I was in like a spiral of like, why me, why me, why me, why me? And it's like, you know, looking for the gift in it. And like, what is this teaching me? I right? know how you feel completely, you know? But I don't think it's changing your mind. I think it's evolving over time. Yeah, right? and like you some know, people- and it, and it takes time to evolve over time. And you can have thoughts about like, I don't believe in this and I don't believe in that, but you gotta end up, we're in the pub, general public and we're dealing in this world and you can have hardcore principles if nobody's around you. But when you've got a whole, uh, team or people around you, uh, and, and you rely on those people to, in, to, to, you know, kind of invest in your concepts, you have to find some middle ground for sure. And I think clearly, you know, we're not going back. There's no such thing as going back to normal. You know, the, the only thing is, yeah. is going forward. And what does the forward look like? And how do we, you know, manage that? You know, I talked to a salon owner today in the car and, um, his business is 60% down, rocking business, amazing business, 60% down and he's in the suburbs. And, uh, you know, we've got to evolve into what the next step is, you know, and how do we, you know, like, I, I mean, listen, my feeling is, is uh, it's about quality, not quantity. That's what it's about. I think it's, a, it's about experience. I mean, I'm not telling you anything new, right? but it's more heightened. It's about experience, um, you know, even, and if you can marry experience with quality, yeah, and uh, let's, salons need to be a place where people don't walk in and feel in fear. They should come here and, and, and feel like they're getting reborn. Yeah, we like a sanctuary. Be, yeah, we're rebirthing people because whenever you get your hair done, in any way, shape, or form, it is like putting a bit of youth back in to your life. I mean, my hair's long and scraggy. I've been going through my own little like, well, you know what? The world's a bit jacked. I'm turning up every day. I'll let my hair grow. I let it go out. I wear my cap now. You know, I put on a few freaking pounds because, uh, you know, the one bottle of wine doesn't quite do it. <laughs> um, you know, but right now I'm like going, I can't, I don't want the rest of my life to be this. I want the rest of my life to be uh, what the past part of my life has been. So right now I'm doing a juice clan. I'm doing a, I'm doing a lemonade cleanse, which is great. I'm trying to kickstart. I, you know, they shut the gyms down. I was like, oh my God, you shut down the gyms. That's going to be the worst because I needed the gym because the gym was like my energy. 
It was like my power zone. I'd go to the gym in the morning, I'd have a trainer, and that would get me ready for the day. It wasn't about muscle or anything like that. It was just about feeling like I had an energy zone around me. And like usually your state. By the, yeah, by the time I'd get to like, I'd come to work and I could get punched in the face with, oh, so-and-so's not coming in, this just happened, the boiler's gone, this is broke down, it's like constantly like that. And I'd be like, no problem, no problem, no problem. And then I'd get to start cutting hair at 12 o'clock. I'm like, right now I'm, I'm, still, I'm still good. You take away that gym personal time, you get to work and you're like, oh God, I already feel like exhausted. And the rest of it is just like compounding itself. So you got to work on the personal, which is certainly what I continue to try to do, work on the personal. And I work on the personal. I got to work on the mental. So the mental is, uh, I have a great friend, a mentor. He's in his mid seventies. He's a salon owner. He's been a hairdresser for over 50 years. His name's Franco. We have lunch every every Wednesday and um, I feel it's my safe spot. So it ain't therapy. It's a bottle of wine between us. Great wine and great food and a nice Italian restaurant in, the, in Bronxville. And we choose different ones. So I'm kind of carving out a new, and I moved from Manhattan. I have an apartment here. I rented an apartment. I sold mine, put the money in the bank. So I was kind of cash, you know, I had some equity behind me. I rented an apartment, but we live out in the house in Westchester. The kids are still going to school in person. So there's an, a change there. There are, as, as shitty as this has been, there are magic nuggets that you can find, that I find, and they're my thankful times. You know, when I walk into my kid's bedroom and give them a kiss on the forehead, and I'm leaving uh, to drive into Manhattan at, at seven o'clock in the morning, that makes me feel so happy because I know my family's safe. Yeah, that is just, and if I can get that once a day, then that's magic for me, you know? So you make these changes, you know, clearly at the end of the day, I'm looking to be in a place where I'm less fearful about money. I'm not trying to make money. I don't want to be fearful of money. Me too. When I started my business, I give myself time to get to a place where I never want to be scared about money and the fear of being completely like... Um, Extended, yeah. Yes. I know what you mean. So when I told you that I managed it, I said I a million dollars in the bank. At those days, it was getting to $500,000 in the bank. Yeah. And I accomplished that. And then one year I was like, stop freaking worrying about money, Nick. That's it. Just keep doing what you're doing. You've been in business for like seven, eight years. Everything's been going okay. You're making money. You get that out get that thinking out because when you don't come from money, you've never experienced it. So you don't know how to manage it. So I had to train myself how to manage it. And I did. But unfortunately, because of the pandemic, uh, I'm kind of in the same place, but I'm not in the same place because I've learned so much and I do trust in myself and I do trust in the process. And in those moments of fear and uh, helplessness, you know, I can snap out of that and move on to positivity. So I don't know, I mean, it's like therapy here, isn't it? You know, when you talk about things, it helps because in your brain, it's like a washing machine. You have a hundred thoughts and it can go from one to another, to another, to another. I think they call it ADD, but I think everyone's got ADD, you know, because it's really hard to process. Mm. When you're forced to talk things through, 
what happens is you start to lay out strategy and that's, you know, and, and you start to lay out things and then you can slowly start to clear the, the dark skies. And, like uh, I'm growing so much from this conversation. <laughs> you know, I'm sure you are too. And I'm sure our listeners are. I but, sure am, you know, I sure am. I can totally relate to everything that you're saying, especially just like not wanting to be afraid about money starting off I've always and like it's a thing like I will always take everything I have and go all in on the next thing and like I had gotten to the point like at my employee-based salon I was paycheck to paycheck like I never had money people always think I was rich I would have the most expensive car I would have like all the stuff to show people I was rich but I really wasn't it's like what was your car okay so I bought a Porsche Macan hated it got rid of it Hated it, got rid of it, went to an Audi S5. Before that, I had an Audi S4. Now I have a Range uh-huh. Rover Sport. I'll never go away from the Range Rover. But, like, I love the cars. Like, I yeah, love cars. Like, too. I hope to have a collection one day. Yeah, me too. But I would, like, always at, at my employee-based salon, I was always paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. But I was always – I would hire everybody. Like, I mm-hmm. never went by the, you know, 80% booked and then you hire somebody. I never did that. I would always believe in people so much and I would always go extend over my means. And I paid hourly. Um, I paid team-based pay hourly. So it was really um, expensive. And you have to follow that completely or else it doesn't work. And I would hire everybody. And then when I started doing education, it was like, it's like a high almost like gambling. Like when I first started doing education at the salon, I would hire all of these educators for the day rate, drain my bank account and then go in and sell tickets, sell tickets, sell tickets, sell tickets. Like it was never an agreement that worked for everybody. It was always an agreement that worked for everybody else and put so much stress on me. So I just got used to that, like fight or flight. And I've always had that from like my childhood. Like I literally got used to that, like rush And then I would teach all of these classes and I finally got to a point where I had money. It was coming in, coming in, coming in. And I took all of that money and I paid for the network. It's paid for, like Mm -hmm. paid for, like, and I'm so proud of that. And then the pandemic happened and then I got a major brand deal gone. Everything that I had, like once I got to the point of like savings I'm back to like GBH days where I'm paycheck to paycheck. And I'm just like, anytime I think about money and I'm scared about money, I come from the wrong place. And it's like, obviously you're going to have these fears when you're a fearless entrepreneur, risk, yeah. risk, risk, risk. Cause I have that mission of elevate the beauty industry. I have that mission of like providing a space like no other, bringing people together, doing these classes, like investing in the best, like having the best for these people. But like, there comes a point where it's just like, holy shit, like it's the pressure like it is so scary and like i love how honest you're being because i feel like i can be honest yeah and well yeah. you know i do the same things i've done everything that you just said is exactly how i built my brand oh my god i'm gonna cry yeah. everything you just said is exactly how I built my brand yeah you keep investing and in planting seeds and you keep putting uh you know you put everything else before you and that's how i built my brand you know and then it comes to a point where you know, hopefully you build it big enough that you can start to make money. The problem is for you, you was at that point where everything was doing great and then the pandemic take it all away. But and it no didn't one take can it all the way. It, it didn't take it all the way. I know. All it did was it just changed the way in which it's gonna happen for you in the future. And humbled it's about my ass. To come back, right? It you is. gotta just realize that it's gonna come back. 
Well, you there's you can't plant so many seeds, and a, a farmer plants seeds, and if they have a bad winter, they might lose the crop. But if it's a great farmer, he'll know what to plant next year to get the crop back in a different crop. Well, yeah. I have like these weird, thank you. And I have, you're right. And I have like these weird things that I think they're not weird. And I'm sure you have them too. Cause just hearing you talk, like you, I, you definitely sound like you have a spiritual, like inner voice that you follow and like a true mission. And sure like, do. I have, um, the same and I have mm -hmm. like this money tree in my, you know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, those plants that are like, it's called a money tree yeah. and you yeah. give them to someone when they open yeah. a business. So yeah. I let my money tree die at my uh -huh. old salon. I was traveling full time and for a class we had moved it. Um, and I found it weeks later and it was dead. Oh no, you killed the tree. I killed it. And it was, um, <laughs> it was a moment. Okay. So it was just a really devastating moment. And then it kind of just like, I made the choice to close it and it was everything. Um, so I have a money tree uh -huh. in my house and it I, it's fucking booming. Okay. <laughs> and I just feel like the future is so bright. And I believe like, like when I asked you, like, what's your mission or like, what's your purpose? Like you keep saying, like, um, I have my, my meaning, like my purpose and like, yep. obviously like making an impact is huge for you. And for me, it's, it's the same. And I keep thinking like, what do we do this for? Like, it's not the money. Like it, I've had so much money. I've had so much money and then so much money gone. And it's like, you kind of like think like, what are we doing this for? Like, what's the true purpose? And then it comes to my mind and this quote has come to my mind, the whole podcast. So I just want to say it. The only thing you take with you in this life is who you've become. There you go. That's a, that's uh, you know, that's very, very true. And the only thing you left, the only thing you leave behind is what you created. Yes. You know, <gasps> what did you create? You know, what did you do? What's your legacy? You know, I say to myself, what's my legacy? Is it the, is it the, you know, the kid that came to help me on Monday night, who's a student in my school and the person that was supposed to do the, the American wave, who's one of my great team members decided she couldn't make it. So then I'm like, well, I'm not going to fail. So I went to my student, I got my student who's in the school and said, do American Wave. And, and I brought her with me and I took her on my Zoom cast and she was mic'd up and I said, why are you at school? And she said, you know, all the things why she's at school. And then she said, one of my dreams is to assist you one day. And I said, well, guess what? It just happened. <laughs> and the following day I come into what these are the little, these are the little nuggets that, that are everywhere. Um, the impact that in, you make. Yeah, the, the, I come to school and Loretta, my director, says to me, she's buzzing today. And, you know, you know it. When you see, when you see people that get it and they, they see that, you can see the, 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 the glow around them because of what they're doing. And it doesn't last forever. But when you see it, or when that student becomes a stylist and it's like the, the, the flower fully booms. Isn't yeah. that the mission? Isn't that, right. it's like, there's no amount of money. Magic. There's no amount of money. Yeah, it's just, that's the joy, you know? And then you hope, and then you hope that they'll remember you. Uh, and then sometimes they leave and it's bad. And then years pass by and then you might see something and they, all of that negativity that was built up while they were leaving or whatever, they'll remember and they'll write something and say, wow, this was, a, they're enhancing and, and you can see it from afar, you know? So there's magic everywhere. We just have to 
keep our eyes wide open and not just get so um, linear, focused on what we're doing, you know. And I think as, as my advice to you was certainly with your business is, you know, again, I say the same thing, dream big, work hard. Unfortunately, we get older. Yeah. So, and I'm not, you know, like my goal now is to stay young. Yeah. That's like part of my mission is like, fuck it. I'm not going to be old. Yeah. I'm going to get younger. I'm going to go younger. I'm going to appear younger and I'm going to feel younger because inside me is the same young kid that was 16. Yeah. That's what's inside me. And I'm going to stay younger and I'm going to continue to navigate. And uh, it's not about having the, 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 the biggest salon. Or, and it never was, actually. It never was about ego in that regards. I think it was about taking the chance on your true potential. That's what it's about. Taking the chance and turning up good. I mean, you see me at the trade shows. Doing those trade shows, I used to put those booths together. I, I destroyed the booth, the pandemic. I had to kill the booth because it was costing so much money just to keep it. I was like, kill the booth because trade shows are dead. And if I need to make another booth, I'll make another booth. Yeah. Trade shows are done. Trade shows are done, man. That's going to be like, a, that's a that's a change. You know, the salon business is, a, you could probably make more money doing hair and your education still powerful. I've education. stalked you at trade shows. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I've stalked you. I, can I tell you a moment? Yeah, please. That you, I was teaching at ISSE. That was my first time ever teaching. And someone took a video of me. Uh -huh. and they were taking a video of me and then they turned the camera and you were there leaning against the wall smiling at whatever uh -huh. I was saying and I was just like I'm fucking dead <laughs> you never know who's watching or who's listening or who's following your story and like just uh -huh. to have you there was like was I'll get there. I remember I I'll remember. get like teared up. I went into the uh, into the room to watch and it was packed and it was great yeah. And I was like, how great is this? I mean, you know, it's great when you turn up to a classroom when it's full and it's not so great when you turn up to a classroom when it's not full. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you, sh you still have to give the same performance no matter what. I mean, I first did education in America. I mean, listen, this is American culture, maybe. I came, I did a show for Weller. I was working for Weller when I came over. I was working for Bumble. They put me in a classroom in Indianapolis. There was three people in my classroom. There was 400 chairs. I was like, get rid of half these chairs, get three to three quarters of these chairs. And there were still four people watching. Uh, I was like, you know what, Nick, this is awful, but you just got to do it. And you just got to make it the best that you can. And you can dig deep and do the best you can for the four people that were watching, two of which fell asleep, right? Because <laughs> they just went shopping and they just came into my room to sit down for peace and quiet. Well, as American culture for you, they gave me an award for the best educator. I was like, I suppose every kid gets a prize, you know? Unfortunately, I don't believe in that kind of mentality. I believe that the winner should win and the losers should lose. And that way you become a better winner. You know, that's what I believe in. But, you know, I was like, why the hell have they given me this stupid award? You know? <laughs> But I was like, well, I got the award. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, check, on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, but then to go from, you know, years later to go from um, from a different country and I went from being a nobody to being somebody in this country and to go from having no one in your classroom to having a filled classroom, a packed classroom, and then to also notice that there are other rising stars coming through that are taking the oxygen and that's great. But, you know, one of the lessons that I've learned, there is... Uh, so much room for everyone to win. 
Yeah, it's not a competition with any individual. There's so much room for everybody to win. That's Absolutely. pretty much it. It's not like I can be like that, or I want to compete with this person or that person. Or did they have 20 people? Or did they sell 60 classes or 10? No, just focus on your own path. And if what's working, keep doing it. And if it's not working, you evolve into something else. Yeah, you change path, you change direction. You know, it's like an experiment, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like a it's a, like a living, breathing. You know, maybe not an experiment is the wrong word, but make an experiment to say what's working, what's not working. Did this? It's a work? journey. Yeah, it's a journey. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to uh, I'm going to the TWA. We do this hair show every year. It's called Expo. Remember when I first started it in 2010. And, uh, you know, you're getting 350 hairdressers all spending $700 to come to your own trade show and you've got guests and God, and it was at the city winery across the street and I had a stage and it was a full day and then I had hands on for uh, 150 people all in different zones and different topics. And I'm like, God, we're such a small brand, but we're, we're, we're punching like a heavyweight, but we're such a baby brand. It's like the Wizard of Oz. Looks really good on the outside, but behind it was scurrying around like, you know, a couple of people trying to do everything. It's so it was, inspiring, though. Like, it's just so awesome. Yeah. And I did that for years and I grew it and I grew it and I grew it. And I got to a place where 2017, we did the best expo ever. And I was like, man, Nick, you've made it. The, the Everything that you did for this show was off the charts so if you think of your, your career like a mountain right there's the mountain top if you're going to get to the top there's very little there's very little shelves or cliffs to climb at the bottom of the mountain there's plenty of room for everyone to have a cliff but as you get to the top of the mountain where you kind of become one of the leaders uh, your brand i was i'm talking about my brand you realize that the people that are at the top of the mountain, when you're at the bottom of the mountain, they're helping you come up. But when you get to the top of the mountain- Trying to pull you down. They, they, they kick you down, yeah. So at that point, I was like, I'm doing so good and I'm getting real close and I thought everything was magical equity. But then literally uh, within six months, I realized that, uh, shit man, this is gonna be a lot harder. And I had to go down. I went, I've been knocked down a few, I've been knocked down a few cliffs. Yeah. Other people coming up the mountain, new fresh faces, new fresh things, new fresh ideas, new fresh brands, new fresh trends. You've knocked down a few, so you can easily go, oh God, it's over. Or you go, no, let's see how we can re-navigate. And again, I'm not in competition with anybody. I'm just working to, um, you know, uh, it's myself. It's like, I, I look at myself, you know? And, uh, you know, you gotta have thick skin. You gotta have thick skin because behind us, hairdressers were emotional. That's like, that's just we're creative, emotional. Uh, and behind me, there's like emotion and I, you know, all of that. But when you're grinding that shit out, man, you've gotta be tough. You gotta be ready to take it and you gotta push through. And you got to learn to just forgive yourself. I say that all the time. Forgive yourself for the mistakes that you've made. Because if I go to bed tonight thinking about the thing I did this morning that was wrong or what I said or what I did or how I reacted or how I responded, I'm going to be like, never going to get out of bed in the morning. So I'm just going to. You're right. It is. Forgive myself. It is like a competition with yourself more than we're competing with anybody else. We're competing with ourselves in our mind. It's like I've had people message me and like I 
like completely try to knock me knock me down and yeah for 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 and from what i can see it's for no reason and treat me in horrible ways when all i've done is just try to lift and it's just like we can sit there and wonder what's wrong with me or why am i like almost like a little like i was bullied as like a little kid so it's almost Uh like those same feelings of just like I must be completely fucking worthless for this to happen to me. And no matter what level that you're at, like, you know, as a student, people would not like, people would always make fun of me. Cause I was like such a visionary. Like I would be so into everything. I said yes to everything. I was like the annoying teacher's pet. And then as a stylist, like I took it seriously. Like when people, when I learned something, I applied it and yeah. I would do it. And then the stylist would be jealous. And I've had so many awful experiences in salons with my coworkers. And I, the more nice and the, the nicer and the more generous I was the more people were kind of just like ugh, by me and then as a salon owner the same thing it's just like even when you're a leader that jealousy is there and then as an educator you would think like oh we're all in because then when you evolve to educator you've overcome the competition with stylists typically and Uh you're usually like everyone lifting each other up referring to stylists like you're just like yeah yeah stylist 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 supporting stylist then you become an educator and you think it's the same but it's not. And then Mm -hmm. once you get to like the next, it's like, there's always another level, but the same thing happens. And it's almost like, and you keep, you said it multiple times in the podcast, like the feelings can happen within the hour. It's just how long will it last? And it's like, if you can really manage yourself, your emotions, your mindset and those things, who the fuck cares? like you can't worry about what people say sticks and stones or hurt my you know that they'll hurt my bones but words will never hurt me even last night you know there are haters social medias became a place of it's that, awful you know and people are happy to pull people down i even got a text last night well i've got a great way of doing it you know if somebody posts something negative i just go delete and block well, same why give just people delete, the just delete it's... and block it's a privilege not a right to look like the amount of free shit that we share and the amount of heart and energy and soul we put into it it's a privilege not a right to be associated Mm -hmm. and follow me so when people are awful block uh, when i was doing one not to wear if i ever did a a woman of color i used to get they used to it wasn't instagram wasn't around then facebook was but they had message boards yeah Uh... and on the message boards i used to get so much hate and you'd read them and you'd be like, and it wasn't just me, all of the cast would get hate. And not just for one specific topic, but a hot topic, what I used to get a lot of, uh, you know, negative comments was if I was doing a woman of color, how can the white guy do this car? How can he do this texture? How can he do this? How can he do that? Terrible. And I was like, I'm not standing up here saying I'm professing to be the best at this type of hair texture or that type of hair texture, but a client sits in my chair, I'm giving it a go. And it's That's hair. It. It's hair, it's fabric, and I'm gonna try my best to work out the fabric. And by the way, I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm still learning. I, I'm still learning what works and what doesn't work. I still look, and, and the last, I did something last week and it was on, on live and I finished it. And I was like, you know what? That was really crap. I really, did. and it wasn't that it was, it wasn't that the haircut, just the way in which it was finished and the way in which it was done, it wasn't my best work because my brain wasn't thinking because one of the hard parts as well, which most people don't get and you will get 100% is if you're just left to be creative, that's a really easy state to be in. But when you're running a freaking business and you're running all of this stuff and then you've got to tap into your inspiration and creativity, it's very hard to switch that hat to go, oh, light bulb over here. No, I'm in this. And now I've got to be in that. 
And that's what I love, but I've got to keep in this because this is going to allow me to do that. So sometimes you don't get to do your best actual work, but that's, you know, part and parcel of life, you know? So pressure is unreal and it's only like the strong can take it. Like it's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> I, you know I can what? relate it's really to that. Not all it's cracked up to be. You can have, I mean, listen, that, that, like I said to you earlier, I mean, I think that in some ways, you know, you say to yourself, what do you, 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 look, you say, what do I regret, Nick? I've been doing this. I've been very successful. What do you regret? Do you regret uh, opening up and expanding now that you've invested so much and you've lost some of that? Do you regret that, Nick? Do you regret the fact that you, um, you could have, uh, secured your life so much stronger and had an easier path. Do you regret that, Nick? And I go, no, because mm -mm. I did the right decision at the right time. And if this pandemic would not have hit, then guess what? Even through turbulent storms of business and challenges that you have to overcome, and most challenges are personnel, okay? Most challenges are personnel challenges, right? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> uh, I still believe that every decision that I made was the most calculated and the right decision and the big decisions in my life. I don't do on my own and I listen to valuable people around me. And there's only a couple because I don't need too many opinions. I just need a couple of trusted ones. Love that. To bounce my ideas off. And, uh, and ultimately, at the end of the day, I'll make the decision because it's my business. And if shit hits the fan, it's my decision because I made the decision. It's my business. So you better have, you know, the strength to realize it, not blame somebody. You made me do I, did, I shouldn't have done this. I shouldn't have done. I'm happy with every decision I've made. And, uh, and I'm happy with the decisions, the decisions that I've been making through this pandemic. Well, any yeah, decision is better than no decision. Uh, completely agree with you because if you don't make a decision and that's why I'm, I put pressure on myself now. You know, it's February. Listen, I put the pandemic came, shut down the business. I said, let's get it back open again. I shut down Tribeca immediately because I knew talking to and talking to a AAA management firm in New York City. Uh, it's it's quite nerve wracking and doing a Zoom with uh, the managing agent and all of their execs and you've got six people and it's just you and they won't talk to your attorney and you're on the freaking Zoom with them and they're talking to you about paying the rent and your rent's $95,000 a month. And you're like, Jesus Christ. it's just like, oh you know, you feel sick. It's like one of those I'm moments sick. where you're going to have a meeting and you're going to feel sick because you're like sitting there and you say, I can't afford the rent. And they're saying, this is the best we can do. This is what you have to do. And then you go, fuck, I just got to bail on this. Yeah. And I look at the law and I know I've got my personal, uh, I've got my good guy guarantee, which are the personal things that I need, but I'm still exposed because they have access to come after my businesses, real legal stuff worth millions and millions of, uh, you know, pain, dollars of pain. Well, I walked out on my lease too. I had seven years left on my salon lease and so you know it's like. I was paying, yes, I was paying $4,500 a month for six months in an empty space. Yeah. And like, it, it made me sick, like, and yeah. all of my savings, everything. So I know oh. I can relate. I feel like you finally, like finally found someone to relate to because <laughs> it's lonely. And like, when you talk to people about this, they're just like, oh yeah, nice problems. And I'm just like, they're all the same. It's relative. But it's all like, relative. 
it's it might be a zero at the end. It might be another number at the front, but it's all relative, you know. It's but, you know, terrifying. I, 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 my, my lawyer said, don't put your notice in. Don't, and don't listen to your lawyers. I don't listen to my lawyers. I listen to them to a degree, but I, I'll push back and say, you know, you don't know what's If I listened to my lawyer, I would never would have done what not to wear. Yeah, if I would have done what not to wear, I'd never have the success that I have today. Mm. And my attorney was a great attorney, and I'm very fortunate to have one of the best attorneys, one of the best, you know, we're talking like $900 an hour. She was an angel. She was a client. I call her my angel. She helped me get out of a bad business situation. Yeah. And she said to me, you should never do this agreement for the television. I said, well, if it doesn't work, uh, it'll be over. And I said, and if it works, then it'll be good for me. So I, you know, I, I've come to that good place where I've been taught and I've had the best mentors, I think, and I've learned a lot from all of them. And I continue to, I come from that place where, you know what, just cause, just cause you're an attorney and you tell me something doesn't mean it's real. I had a situation just today with an attorney that told me, no, 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 no. And I said, uh, no, I said, no. And I fought with this woman, um, in reference to a case that I'm dealing with. She said that I should definitely agree to something. And I said, I definitely don't agree to it. And it was a core principle thing. You know, it wasn't about anything apart from principle. And I know that once my principle gets compromised, then I start to freaking hate myself. It's that feeling and those core values, those values and that mission, like it's guiding you and you stick to it. And I think the more decisions you make that you stick to it, the more chances that you take to like be yourself and follow your heart and follow your mission, like that gets stronger. And I'm sure those feelings where you said, said no, are like, it's like a muscle. I was told just today that it's not possible and the deal's going to be break broke. And I just said to, you know what, that's not my problem. This is why I think, and I explained it to her. And I have to tell you, and attorneys are very good, especially defense attorneys. They've always got something to say, you know? Um, and I remember she went silent on the phone after I said my piece and she just, I knew, I, I knew that at that point, she realized that I had a serious point. And today I came into work and then she wrote to me and she said, you know what, exactly what you said we've got for you. So I said, good news, thank you very much, appreciate it. Now I'm gonna check it with another attorney because guess what? <laughs> I wanna make sure the written word is the, 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 the uh, is, is real and I wanna see somebody else's opinion. So uh, when you, as you grow, as you will, as I have, you'll come across more and more complex situations, whether it's branding, whether it's your personal kind of, you know, affiliations, what you can do, what you can't do. You know, think about all the contracts that were written before. I mean, at the end of the day, the pandemic's changed every contract and every rule. Why? Because it, it created a, 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 a platonic shift in the universe. Yeah. And it's not just national, it's global. So what the, the, the early adapters to the to the uh, to to what the universe is going to want, they're the ones that are going to get there. So wherever we've been chasing, it's changing right now. And, I, and, and I'm a firm believer that uh, it was once impossible. I grew up thinking, God, I want to be a movie director. Right. That's what I wanted. That was my dream. I want to be a movie director. I, I grew up buying Disney comics when I was, uh, it was my luxury to get a Disney comic. It was two pence. Yeah. Uh, Disney comic, 
this glossy paper from America with Mickey Mouse on it. And I was like, I want to become a movie producer and I want to go to America and I want to become this, you know, movie producer. Who would have thought that today you can make a movie with no film, you just with your, with your personal device, you can produce it, you can put graphics on it. Who'd have thought that? So when you think about that level of change in a lifetime, in a short lifetime, think about what the next change is going to be. Technology has completely uh, disrupted everything that once was, you know, and now everything's different. So I feel that there's massive openings for success but we've got to do the legwork today. And, and that's one of the things that I'm really trying to embrace and hopeful for that, you know? Totally. We did a lot of chatting, didn't we? So great. <laughs> like I learned so much just by like having these like real conversations about like what's actually happening. That is actually happening. Yeah. What's happening? What, what is actually happening? It's well, crazy. What's happening is uh, we're going to, the hair still grows out of the head the same way. The hair still gets colored pretty much the same way. It's the same kind of chemicals. They might be a little bit better, but it's the same kind of stuff. But it's everything else around it, mm -hmm. you know, everything else around it. I have two. We're going to wrap up soon. This is great. Mm -hmm. It's just, we'll, we'll wind down, yeah, but I have a, a couple questions. I mean, I wrote like I wrote like a million notes decided uh -huh. here. Um, like I could ask you a hundred more questions just cause like there's certain things you said, I'm like, oh, I want to go into that. I want to go into that, but we'll have to do it again. Maybe I yeah, hope. Good. See, um, we'll do it again next year and see what, what's happened in the 12 right? months. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. You know, you'd be surprised what you can accomplish in a, a relatively short period of time. Absolutely. Um, you've been through so much and it's really inspiring that you've overcome yeah. it. And a lot of like, even what you said about having to leave your business and talk to your staff at the, at the bar, uh, and that moment, I can't even, I've been in, in moments where there's like that loss and that it, it's devastating. And like, I've had like my top performers who I love, like family leave mm -hmm. together, you know, and have those like heartbreaking moments. Yep. Many of Just, them that and then like all the other stories you've shared but you overcome and you follow your heart and it's encouraging and i feel like somebody gets it and for the entrepreneurs listening you know i, I heard on clubhouse elon musk someone said what words of encouragement do you have for entrepreneurs and he said if you need words of encouragement don't become an entrepreneur yeah i saw that too and i thought it was great I, I loved it. Yeah. And it just reminded me that like, no, and like you said, nobody's asking you to do this. Nobody, nobody, no. nobody's no. asking you to do this. You have your inner inspiration, your inner guide and your inner optimism. I mean, America's been so brilliant to Nicarosio. From the minute I came here with $1,500 in my pocket, and I didn't know anybody apart from one guy, his name was Patrick McIver. And he said, you can sleep in my house for a few weeks while you find your feet. And I did, it's the only person I knew. And uh, they lost one of my suitcases. And I was like, and he was late at the airport. I was 27 or 28 years of age. I'm at Newark airport, not even New York, I'm at Newark airport. There's no one there. 
baggage claim emptied. I'm like, I don't even have his number. <laughs> yeah, I don't have a phone. It wasn't the days of having phones. Yeah, in the 90s, there was no, I didn't have a cell phone until I was in this country. I'm like, what the hell? And then after a period of time, because I had nowhere to go, I was like, well, what happens if he doesn't actually turn up? But when you're young, you're a little bit more naive anyway. So, and then the door slid open and then he came and the journey began, you know? Yeah, well, thank you for following your heart and living your dreams so that people like me have somebody to look up to. Oh, thank you so much. You're doing such a great job of it too. And it was really nice for you to reach out to me. And, you know, that shows me, uh, you know, how I know you wrote to me a while ago about uh, doing something in your network, you know, and I know we spoke and I can remember talking to you about it and I was not so familiar with who you were. And I remember discussing it and I think it was getting close to Christmas. And obviously I was doing a lot of different things with my business and it just became something that I felt like I probably can't do that. So it never really happened. And then, um, and then it was really nice to hear you reach out to me again and, you know, say hello. And, uh, you know, it just uh, is a great test of your character and kindness to be able to do that. And, you know, your journey's long and, you know, I've had people in this industry that, you know, my friends and they don't necessarily become my enemies, but they don't become that they, they, they fade away from being friendly, you know, and maybe they don't realize why that happens. You know, I certainly have my reasons why I uh, don't overexpose myself to certain people. If I feel like they've, uh, you know, mistrust, they've taken stuff and mistrusted it, or they've said things that they said they wouldn't do and they did do you know, and they've taken advantage in an unfair way and then they don't show the respect. I have that, but that's okay. We've all had that. But you know, the reason why I'm saying what I'm saying is I appreciate you reaching out and you know what, getting the chance to share my story and to share some of these thoughts, you know, again, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good for um, everybody to be able to share. And if there's something of value for somebody, they can take it with them and it can give them encouragement. I mean, at the end of the day, the best thing that's happened during all of this is the words of encouragement because I've tried my best. I mean, I got, I got ostracized from my own staff for fighting for salons to be reopened. My own team uh, went after me because that was, they were pissed off that when we were closed, that I was doing what I considered to be something noble, okay? And the noble thing was to try and help all those salons and salon owners to get reopened. And in essence, I think it cost me a lot of my staff leaving because they, the animosity evolved. One of the things, and, I, and I'll kind of wrap this up, one of the things that I realize, and I don't know that they realize is, it's a long time since I became, that I was the salon leader. That was not my job. I, it was my job when I had a salon and I was the salon leader and I became the salon owner. Yeah. And I entrusted my team to, to lead. And this is where the freaking disconnect came. Yeah. I think, you know, or I believe. It's really hard because you're, and I, I 100% know what, how you feel because I wanted, I was in the, I was at not riots. What are they called? Protests. Yeah. I was at protest trying to keep the salons open and it's because we're at a different level 
and we know what it's like to have everything on the line and we know that pain and sometimes no matter what you do i always say rejection is god's protection and Uh i like that sometimes thank you i didn't make it up um (laughs) (laughs) but it's something i say because i've been rejected and i've been misunderstood and you know sometimes you living your story you living your dream nick I feel has inspired a whole generation of hairstylists and you sharing your story will inspire a whole generation of hairstylists. So everything that's happened and I know it hurts because I've been there and I've seen it. Like if your team doesn't agree and then they just leave and it's just an easy reason to leave. It's an easy out instead of like nurturing and having a relationship. It's an easy out. If you just, Oh, I don't agree with you block. And I think it sucks. And I it think sucks. that it's a lack of respect for what you've brought to the industry and what you've provided. And, and I, it fucking sucks. And I've been there. It sucks. But at the end of the day, what's in the, what's in the future for you is far greater than anything you can even imagine. And it's happened to you your whole career showing you that, that everything you've overcome it makes you stronger and you adapt and you're still the little kid, the, um, the, the kid and at the Vidal Sassoon and you're still doing it. And I can relate because I've had people block me, say, fuck you to me. And you know what? There's a certain level I will go. I will not be fake. And I will always have respect for salon owners. And I know what it's like. You know what it's like to have everything on the line. So I just think you don't have to, I, I don't think that we should apologize for following our heart and sharing our story. Um, I don't think we should. And I do think, and I'll tell you this right now, I'll continue to say it and I'll tell it to everybody. There's a plan. The universe is cosmic. Yeah. You're going to go through shit. Yeah. But if you continue on your path and then you, and you can navigate through the world's going to give you back what you put in. Yes. So you have to have belief. You never ever give up. Just keep moving forward, and um, realize that you know it's like uh, you know there's days where you go, you know, I'm going to shut all the shops. I'm going to close it all. I'm just going to say because I can bounce. I can bounce, and I've got you know plenty of cash to be able to succeed and survive for a, many years. But you have so yeah. much more to give. Like but you're I got so much more to give. <laughs> you're so not. Mama didn't raise no fool. I'm just going to, I'm just going to try and bump through this and, uh, you know, and I I think that there'll be more fun and I bet you there's going to be more of uh, you and me together doing some stuff in the future, which I think is brilliant. You know, I have this great thing coming up with, I'm doing with that Ashley Norman and, you know, I'm meeting new people all the time. And I never had that. I now have more time to evolve as the world's evolved and the life's changed. So, you know, Optimism is uh, is way better than pessimism, you know? And I just uh, feel like your motives are so clear and your positive, your positive intention for the beauty industry will never go unnoticed. Some people may hear what they want to hear or see what they want to see or take it. They want to take it, but like your motive has always been clear. So I hope my hope for you is that you keep following your heart and doing everything that you want to and need to do so that people like me can have somebody to follow. Thanks a lot, James. It's a real pleasure hanging out with you today. I look forward to it next year. 
Yeah, me too. Is there anything you want to share? I know you have online education. Um, is there anything you want to you want to share for my audience, or they just follow you and find you? I think the best thing that I would say is, you know, just if you follow me on Instagram, you'll find that everything and Arojo NYC or Arojo Pro is all my professional stuff, and that's what we're navigating. Awesome. And, uh, you know, let's see what the future brings, and maybe be prepared for big changes because uh, I am. Me too. I'm prepared for big changes. You know, it's not going to be business as usual. I'm prepared for big changes, and that's what I'm navigating towards. And uh, and I'm excited for the future. That's yeah. for sure. You're the best, Nick. Thank you so much for your time today, and you inspire me. Thanks a lot, Gina. You too. Back at you.